I'm gonna, you can pray for me and I'm going to pray for you, okay? You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. All right, Father God, I just thank you so much for this church. I thank you for Pastor Jolliffe and Sharon. I thank you for Chuck and, the, and Carrie and the worship team. I thank you for Stevie and the youth. Father God, I thank you that this church stands as a city on a hill, Father God. I thank you, Father, for the opportunity to come and bring your word today. And I ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you help bring to remembrance the things that you want me to say, Lord. That I would flow in your spirit today, Father God. That I would get out of the way, Lord. And I would let you have your way. Father God, I just ask that you would help me preach simple and clear so people can understand. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to pray for you right now. Father God, I just pray for each and every single one of these sons and daughters of your kingdom. Father God, I pray today that they have eyes to see and ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Father God, I command dull hearts to come alive. Father God, I, de I declare today that hard hearts would be softened, that distracted hearts would come into focus. Father God, I pray that each and every single one of them right now has an open heart to receive. Yeah. Not to receive my words, not to receive my teaching, Father God, but to receive the word that has come from heaven today. Yes. I pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, it's been really difficult, I mean, really hard for, I'm sure any of you to not notice my beautiful baby girl that I get to bring with me every single week. She is uh, five months old now, and she is just light years different from when we brought her home. It is amazing, the growth over five months. But you know, it's, what is strange is, I, Olivia and I were talking the other day, and I said, I suggested the idea of having another one. And she looked at me like, she looked at me like she was going to punch me in the mouth. I didn't realize that it had only been five months. It feels like she's been with us for so long, like, like she's always been here. And I, I don't know, I think that that is an amazing feeling. But to watch her growth over the last five months um, has really changed me. You know, um, when Olivia and I got married, I, I felt like a man. I felt like a man, like I was really becoming a man. But when, I, when we had our daughter, everything changed. I didn't feel like a man anymore. I felt like a father. You know, I, 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 I was really, you know, you, you go your whole life and you, you imagine what it's like to be a father and you imagine that, oh yes, when I have my kids, I'll, I'll do anything for my kids. You know, I'm going to be the best dad and, and this and that. And then when, you're, when your children are born, you don't just think those things, you know those things. That you're going to do everything that you can for your children. You're going to give them every advantage, every secret in your life, everything that hurt you in your life, you're going to try to teach your children not to get hurt by those things. You're going to protect them. You're going to give them every life lesson that you can give them, every advantage. Your whole bank account will be open to them. Amen. There's nothing that you would not give them. Here's the thing. God feels the same way about you and I. There is absolutely nothing that he would withhold from you and I. John chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, everything that belongs to the Father is mine. And therefore, he will take what is mine, and he will declare it to you. See, one of the things that we have to understand about Jesus is that Jesus was a kingdom man. He was all kingdom. Jesus was born a king. He lived as a king. He died as a king. He rose as a king. And he sits as a king right now in his throne. The kingdom belongs to Jesus Christ. 
The kingdom is what is his, was his, is his, still is his. But, Je but Jesus said, all that, I have all that the Father has given me, I am giving to you. Amen. You see, Jesus came from the kingdom to teach you how to live kingdom. And the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, that within Jesus, within his kingdom, are hidden mysteries, treasures of wisdom, knowledge, and power. Secrets are hidden things. They are intimate things that, that come from intimate conversations behind closed doors. You know, see, uh, big corporations ha have board meetings behind closed doors. Why? Because there's sensitive, intimate information. There's strategies. Uh, there's, you know, all kinds of information that is not privy to the public. Now, when my wife and I have conversations behind closed doors, that's privileged, secret information. Now, all of us ha have have uh, some kind of a device, a computer, uh, a cell phone, e even our, our debit cards, as pastors used as an analogy before. And all of those things have passwords, and passwords are privileged information. They give you access to resources that, without the password, without, without the password, you cannot access those resources. And just like uh, the conversations behind closed doors, just like uh, the, the passwords on our computers and on our, on our home monitor systems and all those things, your relationship with Jesus gives you access to privileged information. It gives you access to kingdom resources. You know, one of the things that one of the things that God is really revealing to me right now is that in the church today, the main focus for a lot of churches is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And listen, that is the chief message of heaven. It's the good news of Jesus Christ who came to die for our sins so we could be admitted into heaven. You know, all those things. But Jesus did not come preaching the gospel of himself. Right. Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. I want you to, to turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 23. And it says, And he, Jesus, went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, from the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And, and, many, and some people might have an issue with me saying Jesus didn't come preaching the gospel of himself. Yes, Jesus uh, preached that all men should come unto me and they'll have everlasting life. Yes, Jesus preached on the way, the truth, and the life, and no, no one should come to the Father except through me. Yes, Jesus preached the forgiveness of sins and all of those things. But listen, Jesus did not proclaim the message of himself because he knew that he, he was not alone. It was not just his message that he was preaching. He was preaching the message of heaven. Now I want you to look at this verse and I want you to look at what the, the, the gospel of the kingdom brings. Because Jesus wasn't just there bragging about himself. When a, when a king overthrows another kingdom, what happens? There's this great procession 
where the king comes through the city. Right? Sometimes there's band, uh, band or horns or, you know, all those things. And there's, there's sometimes a celebration, sometimes not a celebration. But here's what happens. The king will come in and he will make declarations as to this is how things are going to operate now. This is how things are going to be done. You know, in the Old Testament, oftentimes when a king would come in, a king would say, okay, I want the whole city to gather up their silver and their gold and all of their fine things, and I want them to come pay a tribute to me to show me that they've submitted to me. You know, and the beautiful thing about the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, when Jesus came in and started proclaiming the kingdom, what, we, what was he doing? He was talking about a shift of authority that is now happening. Right. He came into a kingdom, the, uh, the kingdom of Caesar. He came into the Roman Empire, and he said, Behold, the kingdom is near. The kingdom of heaven has come upon you. And Jesus right there, was challenging the Roman Empire. But listen, Jesus did not think politically. He wasn't thinking that way at all. What Jesus was doing is he was declaring that there's a new sheriff in town, there's a new law that's coming to town, right. and I want to show you what happens in my kingdom. Now, when Jesus' disciples were arguing in the Gospel of Luke about which one of them was the greatest. And Jesus gave us some very interesting information. He said, look, it doesn't matter which one of you is the greatest because the greatest in my kingdom is the one who ministers. <laughs> He's the one that ministers, the, the, is the, he's, the, he's the one that ministers to all. If, he, if, if this man spends his whole life ministering to all, he's the greatest in my kingdom. So what does that tell us? The, the kingdom does not bring power to lord over your life. The kingdom brings power that comes toward your life. It goes into your life and through your life. You, you see, Jesus says in, in that dialogue, he says, look, I could give you the scripture uh, later, but look, he says, the kings and the rulers of the Gentiles lord their power over the people, but it will not be so with you because you will serve. The greatest will serve. The kingdom brings power into our life. It, it's, it's not meant to constrict your life into a box a set of rules that constricts your freedom in your life. That's not it. The kingdom comes to put power in your life to live and experience the freedom that we find in the kingdom of God. Right. Now, I want us just to take a look at this because Jesus is establishing a culture. This is going to be his reputation moving forward. Jesus came proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all of Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and all the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. This is what the kingdom looks like. This is what the culture of the kingdom looks like. There have been many, many revivals that for a time produced 
miracles just like we read here. The Welsh Revival, the Zusa Street Revival, we know all the famous ones, but listen. Bill Johnson said something very interesting, and I really loved it. He said, look, it, was ne it is never God's intention for a revival to die out. When, what we're looking at right here, it was never God's intention for Jesus to come and to do all these things and then to have them die out. Bill said, the only reason that a fire dies out is because there's no fuel. Right. If there's no fuel, there's no fire. And so when we read things through, through the, history, the church history and we see these, these flames of wildfire, of all, all this miraculous stuff happening, and we say, boy, that was, that's amazing. I wish we could see that happen now. We can. We absolutely can see those things happen. But here, there is a danger in the church today. Because what we have done is, is we have neutered the message of Jesus. Because we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ separate from the gospel of the kingdom. We've separated the two. And it's not, I don't think anybody did it on purpose, but here's the reality. The message of Jesus is not complete without the message of the kingdom. And the message of the kingdom is not complete without the message of Jesus. Right. And I want to make a distinction. I am by in no way discounting the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus, the message of Jesus, is the chief message of the kingdom. The number one purpose is to get people born again. That is the number one purpose of the kingdom. But turn with me quick to John chapter 3. What I want us to see here is that the, the gospel of Jesus is the birth. It's the birth. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't stop living at birth. And I want to ask you a question. Which is the greater commitment to your children? The conception, the birth, or the life of that child? The life is the greater commitment to that child. The single greatest thing that you can do in your life is to be born again through the message of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus is for the birth. The gospel of the kingdom is for your life. And there are many people in the church who receive the gospel of Jesus, but they have no understanding of the gospel of the kingdom. And so you have Christians walking around hurt, bitter, upset. Why? Because I want you to imagine with me for a moment. This is hard for me to imagine. I'm going to turn to John chapter 3 uh, real quick before I overtalk myself here. But I want you to imagine just for a moment that you had a child and at birth, from that point forward, you did only the bare minimum for that child. You gave them no eye contact, no extra playtime, you didn't hug them or kiss them or whisper that you love them. You didn't try to coach them to say, Mama or Dada. You didn't wipe their tears when they cried or when they scraped their knee. You didn't teach them how to ride a bike. You didn't give them any extra attention other than keeping them from dying. You gave them the bare minimum of what was required. You didn't give them any life lessons as they grew. You didn't talk them through hard problems behind closed doors. 
He didn't do any of those things. Now, any person in their right mind would never do that to their child. Never. So why is it that we do that to our spirit child who has been born again in the kingdom of God? And then we do the bare minimum to keep them alive. Many of us are struggling in our faith because we have no understanding of the kingdom of heaven, the gospel of the kingdom. I want you to look with me here to John chapter 3. Jesus, this is, this is the night conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus is obviously coming to Jesus seeking answers, and he says to Jesus, Look, you have got to be a teacher. Come to teach us here in Israel because no one can do the things that you're doing unless it was sent from God. And Nicodemus says in, in uh, John chapter 3, he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And what I want us to understand about this verse is because so many people take John chapter 3 and they use it as a conversion verse, and it can be used that way. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That, is, that can be used for the gospel. It should be used for the gospel. But what I want us to see right here is that this verse, the context of this verse, is talking about the perception and the discernment of the kingdom. The perception and the discernment of the kingdom. See, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see, that word see, is see for current. He cannot currently see or perceive the kingdom of God. It's not for a future coming. You see, I don't have time to get into this, but, but maybe someday I will. The kingdom of heaven is Jesus' work on earth, bringing the things of heaven to earth. The kingdom of God is what will reign after Christ returns and everything is judged and the kingdom of God comes down. There is a difference. They're, they don't operate differently. They, don't, um, they can be interchanged in Scripture at times, but the only difference between the two is the dispensation that they're used. And someday they'll be the same thing. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven will be the same thing. But the kingdom of heaven is, is Jesus' ministry. That's why he said, I've come to bring the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Right? So don't get hung up on all that. That's not super important. I don't know why I got into that. But listen. We'll rewrite. Um. So, this verse is talking about the perception of the kingdom that operates here and now. He says, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say this to you. You must be born again. You see, Nicodemus was so stuck on this idea that he was physically going to have to do something. I'm physically going to have to do something to attain this. And Jesus is saying, look, there is nothing that you can do to attain what I'm talking to you about. This has to come from God. This is going to be done by the Spirit of God.
Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your good Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. There is a greater commitment. What we're talking about right here in John chapter 3 is merely the birth into the kingdom. There is a greater commitment that Jesus is calling us to, and that is life in the kingdom. Are, are you not a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? Nicodemus could not wrap his mind around what Jesus was saying. But listen, Jesus did not go about preaching the kingdom or the gospel of himself. He didn't, come, he didn't, he didn't go about preaching that. And in fact, he kept... The fact of his Messiahship, he kept that hidden. Matthew 16, 16, when, when Peter has this great revelation, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Well, some say you're uh, the pro a prophet. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're, you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the Son of God. And Jesus says, blessed are you. Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. What is he saying? He says, bless Peter, because you just received a revelation. Not from, from me, not from the world, but from my Father who's in heaven. See, this, Jesus is saying you're blessed because now you're connected. Right. I've, I've connected you to the Father. And all on your own, you received a revelation from the Father. You've discerned these things, Peter. You're blessed, Peter. Do you understand? And then Peter, at the end of at the, when Jesus is getting arrested, pulls out his sword, wants to fight these guys. We're going to fight for the kingdom. And Jesus says, no, 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 Peter. Those who fight physically will die physically. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And what's Jesus saying to him? I'm not doing this by power or by might or by strength. I'm doing this by the Spirit, Peter. I've got to go where the Father's telling me to go. I mean, the only people that knew that Jesus was going to be betrayed and killed were the disciples, and even they didn't believe him. But Peter received a revelation. Turn with me to, uh, to Matthew chapter 13. And here's, here's what I want us to get to. I've been doing a, a study entitled Kingdom Secrets. And I'm going to share with you a few of those points today. Hope maybe someday I can do a whole teaching on it. So I'm going to preach a little bit today. I'm going to teach a little bit today. On I, Maybe I'll get to two kingdom secrets. Maybe two. But Matthew chapter 13, let's start at verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out to the house, and he sat beside the sea. And, a, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And, and the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and he sowed some, and some, and he sowed. Some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell, among thorns, and the thorns grew and choked them. And other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now here we go. Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak in parables? And he said to them, to you, say to me, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Let's read that again. To me, 
Say it with me. To me, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. You guys don't have to repeat this whole verse after me. For to the one who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. Here's what I want us to understand. To you and I, it has been given the privilege. The privilege to know and understand the secrets and the mystery of the kingdom. You are an insider, not an outsider. Everything that you need for your life can be revealed to you. And how, how, what does Jesus say? He says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. Good. I wonder sometimes, do we really find it a privilege? and an honor to know the secrets of the kingdom. We're going to talk a little bit about what we see here in the parable of the sower. And there's two commonalities that we'll see throughout the whole thing. I'm going to switch up my message a little bit. I feel like God is speaking to me. So it's along the same path. But here's the thing. There's two commonalities that we see in the parable of the sower. The first is the word. Excuse me, it's not a commonality, but it's a theme through the whole thing. Okay, The word and your heart. The word in your heart. What we see is that there are four conditions of the heart. And so what does that mean? It means that every time you hear the Word of God or read the Word of God or come into contact with the Word of God, you have a one in four chance of receiving that Word. A one in four chance. The other thing that we see is that it is the posture of the heart that will either cause you to not receive or to receive. And what I mean by receive is not that you walk away thinking that you understand and it felt pretty good. What I mean by received is that you don't walk away a professor of the kingdom, but a possessor of the kingdom. That's good. And the word that was spoken. You see, there is a huge difference between the man that walks around town shouting that he has a million dollars and the man walking around with a million dollars in the bank. Both of them have the same message and the same ability to yell that message what one person professes and the other person possesses and what is the difference between the two of them the difference between the two is the work and the sacrifice that it took to get the million dollars the work and the sacrifice that it gets that it takes to get to a million dollars now, in, 
in, in this, in this uh, parable of the sower, the Gospel of Mark says that this is the most important uh, parable, and if you do not understand this parable, you can't understand any of the other parables. So I'd say that this parable is pretty important. Right. Amen? So let's, let's start reading on this, okay? The, so then they ask him, Jesus, will you reveal to us the meaning of this parable? And he says, hear the parable of the sower. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. And this is what was sown along the path. The first secret of the kingdom that I want to reveal to you is that the word is absolute power. The word is absolute power. Psalm 138 verse 2 says, For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. The word created the heavens and the earth. The word gives light where there's darkness and it gives life where there is death. This is the holy word of God. It is sacred. It is before our time. It has lasted the span of time. It was with God in the beginning. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And there was nothing created separate from him. The Word of God is absolute power. And Jesus says to the disciples, many men of God, prophets, have longed to see what you see, to hear what you hear. Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Isaiah, Nehemiah, Jeremiah. Can you imagine? Jeremiah was so frustrated. He's the weeping prophet. He said, can I please get a word, a good word, Lord, that I can take to them? But he preached and he preached and he preached and he preached the message. And Isaiah... And John the Baptist and Jesus. And then when the time was fulfilled, Peter picked it up. And John and Paul and and then my forefathers. Or Roberts, Kenneth Hagen, yeah. Copeland, Billy Graham. They picked it up. These men, they fought. They stumbled, they clawed. And the whole time, in the Old Testament, Nothing was clear. It was all obscure as what it would turn out to be. But they fought and they fought and they fought. And they put a spear in the ground and they said, I will stand by the word. I will stand by the word that God has given me to stand by. I don't see all all the fruit. I don't see where this is going, but I know what God told me. And Jesus says, many men of God, 
and prophets long to see what you see. It is an honor to stand in this pulpit. It is an honor to read the Word of God, to have the Word of God. It is life unto my body. It is food for my spirit. It is an honor. And then Jesus says, now you are ready to hear the parable. It is an honor. I see so much dishonor of the word of God. It makes me sick. Because this word is the word. And there is no worldly revelation. There's no man with the highest intellect that can change this word. I don't care the situation. I don't care the emotion. I don't care. This word does not change. And it does not fail. It will produce what God sent it forth to produce. Now we are ready to hear the parable. Do you understand? It is an honor. Now listen to me. It's time that we stop listening to preachers who make you feel good. And start reading the word that reveals God. God wants to reveal himself to you. But listen to me. Anything that God wants to give you in your life, he will give it to you through the word. Through the word. And it it pains me sometimes when I get up in the morning and I say to myself, I don't, oh, I don't have time to get in the word. And I carry this, this thing around me like a set of keys that never get used. What we need to understand is that the word is ultimate power. And listen, I'm a preacher, okay? God made me to preach. He sent me to preach. That's what I'm supposed to do. But let me tell you what I understand. No matter how great the crowd, no matter how big the stage, no matter how witty or insightful or anointed my message is, nothing that I ever preach will compare to that word right there. Nothing that any man could ever preach to you, no way that he can make you feel or fall to the floor or anything else can make you feel the way that this word will make you feel. This word can give you things that no sermon can give you. And let me, when you understand something from this word, and you understand it for yourself, you found it for yourself, you dug it out for yourself, you will never forget it. I can preach you the same message 10 times and you'll forget it every time. But if there's one thing that you walk away from this message today is that it is an honor to read this word. It is an honor. I I should not take my next breath without reading this word. It is an honor. It is life to my bones. It is food for my spirit. My very way of life should be walking in between the lines and the paragraphs of this book right here. This is my life. I pay no allegiance. And listen, the prophets of the world today are standing up and look in the, in the, in the political realm, and what are they doing? They're pointing fingers at each other. Impeachment, not impeachment. You colluded. No, you colluded. Uh, build the wall, don't build the wall. Uh, I'll give you free college. I'll give you free everything, free this, free that. You know what? I don't know if any of that will work, but what I do know is the Word of God will work. The Word of God will work. And listen, I don't care what or who implements anything in the world, it will fail at some point. 
I don't care if they, if, if they build the wall or not. Guess what? It's going to crumble someday. It'll be gone. And it would never even have mattered. And let me tell you something. Jesus was not at home reading a stone pad, uh, tablet of the news of the Roman Empire. He wasn't listening to those prophets. Jesus wasn't political. Jesus was with his neighbor manifesting the kingdom. He wasn't at home watching TV, caring about all those things. He was with people bringing the kingdom, manifesting the kingdom right there. And you know, I'll, I'll get to it in a little bit. Let's, let's read the parable of the sower before I preach, preach myself right out of this passage. Parable of the sower. Here then, the parable of the sower, Jesus says, now you're ready to listen. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. And this is what was sown along the path. This is the person with a hard heart or a blind heart that cannot see or perceive the kingdom. And so the seeds fall along the path. The second mystery or secret of the kingdom that I want us to understand is that your heart is the threshold. Your heart is the threshold. The posture of your heart will determine what you see, receive, and understand of the kingdom. He goes on, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and then tribulation or persecution arises on account of the world, of the word, and immediately he falls away. This is the shallow heart. This is why I said it's important that we don't just listen to preachers who make us feel good about ourselves, but we read the word that allows God to reveal himself. Because I know a lot of people that receive the word with joy, and they, they, they post 10-second videos of, of Stephen Furtick preaching a, a message, and, and guess what? Their life is garbage. And it looks, look, I'm not condemning that person. I love that person, God loves that person, but, what, but listen, what we see is that they receive the message with joy but it does nothing to change their life. It does nothing to change the direction of their life. They just liked it, and it felt good, and they wanted to share it. But it did not change them. We can come in here, we can jump up and down, we can shout for joy, we can even roar. But Jesus says there was no root. Right. You know, so often we are looking for physical evidence of growth. We want physical evidence in our life that God's working, that God is growing, that God is doing something. But what is the mystery of the kingdom here? The mystery is that what we cannot see is the most important part. The invisible work of God in our life is the most important. That's good. It's the root. You know, if you want something to birth physically in your life, you've got to do something privately with God. God does not birth things in, in, in public for, for show. God's not showing off. What God wants to do is really change you. He doesn't want people to walk around and go, oh boy, uh, man, 
Jeff's such a great preacher and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? When I'm at home, I'm just a jerk. There's no root in me. I won't last. Verse 22, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. This is the deceived heart. This is the heart that says, I don't have time for the word. The heart that, it, that is so anxious, so afraid, feels worthless, totally distracted by, by the world and just deceived by the riches of the world, trying to, you know, if you ever put yourself before God, that's not a recipe for kingdom results. Let me ask you a question. If I were to take the, your, your life and your patterns and I, and I put it up on statistical data, right? And so you have your, your, your data that is just your, your regular everyday things that you do. You know, it's all nice in a line. There's probably a nice little arrow going through it, right? What do the everyday things, what does each dot contain? What, what are those things that you do? What are the patterns of your life? Now, Every statistical uh, data has what, what's known as outliers. It's data that does not uh, fit the, all the other general data, right? It's all over. And there's one, two, maybe three of them. You know, if this is your life and those, uh, those radical outlier points are the times that you prayed for somebody, prayed for yourself, read the word, Let me ask you, is your life going to produce kingdom results? You know, the times that we don't move with God should be the outlier. Right. God should be the normal. Why? Because you, you've been born into the kingdom. We're not, we're not born again just to stay babies. Just, to, just to, to, to say, I mean, imagine if you never educated your child, never taught them how to walk, never gave them in the time of day, what would they be like? And many of us are so scared to walk out to, to, and, and, and we think to ourselves, well, I would never pray for somebody in Walmart or do this or do that. And listen, look, you might say that you would, but you know deep down that you'd never actually do it. I believe that Jesus tells a parable about a, a man that tells his father, eh, I'll go do that, and then doesn't do it. Right. And then one that says, no, I won't do it, but then does it. Which one had the kingdom? Verse 23 asks, for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, he indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. This is the teachable heart. This is good ground. Here's what we need to know. Good ground does not come easy. It does not come easy. How? I mean, Jeannie's a farmer. She would know. When you, when you buy land to farm, it's not perfect. There's, just like in the parables, there's rocks, there's weeds and tares, all kinds of things in the field that you have to remove. You have to remove stumps and logs and all, all kinds of stuff. Look, good ground has to be cultivated. It doesn't just magically appear. Listen, when we're born again, do you know what changes? Our spirit changes. Everything else stays the same. So if you were fat before you were saved, guess what? You're still fat. I'm sorry. I wish I was a nice preacher, but I'm not. If you're angry and bitter before you're saved, 
Guess what? After you're saved, you're still angry and bitter because you are a new creation spiritually. Spiritually, you're new, but mentally, physically, emotionally, all those things have to be transformed. That's why we work out our salvation, right? Now listen. This person, with good ground, understood something about the kingdom, right? They became a possessor, not just a professor. Because why? They bore fruit. If you want to know whether or not you have obtained a word, if you've... uh, obtained the kingdom, I want you to examine the fruit of your life, the fruit of what you do. And if you have fruit, then you've, you've obtained the word. For, for example, when you're born again, if two years later, you're still drinking, smoking, sleeping around, doing all those things, have you really obtained the kingdom? Have you really you know, you can't really repent until you bear fruit in that area. Jesus said, keep with repentance. How? Until you bear fruit. Is it really noon? Oh, my God. Thank you, Jesus. I've got to be done. I was going to be done at uh, 1145. I'm in trouble. Where's my wife? She's supposed to give me the thing. She's with the baby. Okay, listen, I'm going to close up. I'm sorry. Maybe I'll get another chance to finish. I'm sorry. I, 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 got, I slowed up here. I should have kept preaching real fast. Listen. The only difference between the man who professes and the man who possesses is the work involved in the getting. I want us to understand that. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You, listen, you guys aren't listening. Everywhere that Jesus went, the kingdom went. Signs, wonders, miracles, words of wisdom, all those things followed him. Why? Because he preached the gospel of the kingdom. He obtained the kingdom. And listen, there, Jesus says right here, there is plenty of harvest. Plenty of harvest. But the laborers are few. Those who are willing to do the work are very few. Jesus said, the very works that I do, you will do. You know what? We talk about that all the time, but guess what? Each and every single one of us struggles with that. Why? Because we are not actually going and touching the world with the works. Saying, you're healed in Jesus' name. I have a word for you from heaven. Because most of you don't have the confidence to do that. You feel like you're going to screw it up somehow. Well, guess what? When my little girl is trying to walk and all she can do is move her hand a little bit, do I just push her over and be like, forget it. You can't do it. You can't crawl. You're never going to crawl, blah, blah, blah. No, I don't. No. I get down on the floor. And I move her other little hand. And I say, just a a little bit more. And she rocks back and forth and she looks at me and she's smiling. I don't give up on her. I teach her how to do it. Listen, Jesus said, it is my Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And what happens when the kingdom comes around? Signs, healings miracles, all those things. And listen, we don't, we, I'm gonna, we don't see that in the church. Why? Because we don't see it in ourselves. I can't get into to the teaching, but listen to me. The reason that your, your heart is the threshold to unlimited power, unlimited power, and why is your heart the key? Because your heart is the totality of the inward and visible man, okay? Your heart is the special relationship between your soul and your spirit. And when you are born again, you have the opportunity to 
walk through the threshold of your heart and call into the, into the spirit realm, the spirit that is inside of you, and call on your God, call on your king who is sitting on the throne of his kingdom, day and night, waiting for you. And then we pull the, the principles, the spiritual principles from the word and, and, and from the spirit that God is speaking to us, and we pull it into our life, and our soul is our mind, our will, and emotions. And, and we take those truths, and, and we press them against our our anger and our bitterness and, and all the things that keep us separating us from God. And here, listen to me. Jesus said, the, the pure in heart shall see God. I want to have a pure heart because I want to have a clear view of God. Proverbs 4.23 says that, the, Proverbs 4.23 says, That guard your heart with all vigilance, for it determines the course of your life. In other words, your life will go the way that your heart goes. And it cannot go the opposite of your heart. It can't. So what do we do? The Bible tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And our heart is the threshold through which we have to walk. We have to walk in the inner man of ourselves. We've got to enter in. Here's what I want you to do. Let's, let's all stand up and I'll pray for you guys. Uh, I don't know, maybe pastor will give me another, another chance in a few weeks if I don't take up too much more time to finish this bad boy up. But listen, The gospel of Jesus was just your birth. And it is your right and your privilege to seek out the secrets of the kingdom. They are not hidden from you. They're waiting for you. They're waiting for you to get in that word. And the word is ultimate power. Everything that you want God to do in your life, excuse me, I should say this differently, I'm sorry, Father. Everything that God wants to do in your life is contained in that word. Amen. It's contained in that word. It is a privilege and it is an honor to read that word. It's a privilege and it is an honor to serve in this church, to be under such a great man of God, to be among great people of God who understand the spirit and all those things. Listen, we are blessed in this house. It is an honor. I love each and every single one of you, but listen, what I want for each of you and in our, in our community is I want the kingdom of heaven in this house and I want it in you. I want the people you come into contact with to experience signs, wonders, miracles, getting a word from heaven, all of those things. Because look, whatever you do in your life 10,000 years from now is not going to matter at all. What's going to matter is what you did for the kingdom, what we did together for the kingdom, not for our glory, but for his. Okay, let me pray for you and get out of here. I've already stole eight minutes. <laughs> Lift your hands to heaven with me right now. Father God, I just thank you so much for each and every one of these children of yours who are heirs. If you have a Bible, just, just grab a hold of it real quick. I want to make a declaration over your life. This is a declaration and an impartation. Father God, I ask you in Jesus' name that you hit our hearts with knowledge, wisdom, and revelation. Secrets that are hidden in the life of Christ. Secrets in the, in, in the kingdom that give us advantages, insights. Father God, these people, as well as myself, we are heirs of your kingdom. 
And we do not declare selfishly, but we declare willingly, Father God, that all that the Father has is mine. All that the Father, ha Father has is ours. All the kingdom resources is ours. In our spirits are signs, wonders, and miracles waiting their appointed time. Help us walk like Christ, Father God. Give us the fire for revival. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.